it's the type of story where you just wish the main character figured out that he had to get the hell out of there before something bad happened. Uh, it's the third day. I watched episode two called Saturday the Sun. Now, something interesting about the episode numbers. The first one is called Friday the Father. The second one's called Saturday the Sun. The third one's called Sunday the Ghost. I saw it on IMDb. Um, and it goes on from there. But since the name of the show is The Third Day, you'd think that it would have stopped at Sunday. Well, I know that this show likes to, like, deal with time. Like, for example, uh, the first three episodes are centered on Jude Law's character, um, which is the summer. And then there's going to be a special that's going to be in the autumn. And then four through six is going to have Naomi Harris, known from Skyfall and Moonlight and a ton of different stuff, as Helen. And that's going to be in the winter. So Jude Law is not going to be the main character of the entire series? No, his storyline is going to wrap up uh, in episode three. Oh, wow. I didn't I didn't even have any idea about that. Yeah, um, it was planned to be six episodes in a limited HBO series. Is that supposed to be like a surprise to people watching, or are we supposed to know that going on? No, out? in fact, the trailer even gives away, like, it literally shows Jude Law for the first minute, and then it says summer, and then it shows Naomi Harris's story uh, for the second minute, and it says winter. Okay, well, let me just tell you a little bit about what I figured out from Sam's character, because that's who he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trapped on an island with a bunch of religious zealots. Um, this dude named Charrington is the founder of the island. Uh, he brought together a bunch of misfits, addicts, criminals, a diverse set of characters, because if you look at the cast, it looks like they're from all over the map. Right. Um, and they're coming there to live in harmony, but then apparently they participated in all these really bad rituals where they almost committed some sort of genocide. And uh, this was all in the past, so when Sam comes to visit... That's supposed to be ancient history, and they're supposed to be just kind of a free love and spirit type community. Um, but apparently in the first episode, he saved this one girl named Epona. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this episode, he's kind of trying to figure out about the island. At the same time, I think he's trying to leave the island. And you got some stuff with this character named Jess that he ends up sleeping with, or that he slept with at the end of last episode. Uh, that we'll get into. All in all, it was quite the trip. Like, it felt like I I was watching David Lynch, the Twin (laughs) Peaks type thing, also mixed with, like, Alex Garland. Um, If you've ever seen Devs, that it's, like, a grittier version of that because, well, I have some issues with the direction, but... Yeah, I wanted to ask, uh, how good was the show at confusing the audience while giving a solid narrative? Because you have shows like Mr. Robot and Legion, which scenes are definitely meant to be, like, left open for interpretation and are supposed to confuse the audience, but through and through have a pretty solid story. I wanted to know, was Third Day like that, or was this just a show that was meant to completely, like, not make sense? It's definitely a mind-bendy, cerebral type of show, Um, It gets a little exhausting because what they do is that whenever Sam's character is confused or frightened or lost or whatever, because he's in the woods a lot, they'd fade in and out of focus while, like, centered a couple inches away from his face. Too many, like, extreme close-ups. Yeah, in fact, it's funny you say that because AV Club said the same thing. It says it thrives on its out-of-focus shots of Jude Law's face. I really... It's irritating after a while because you know the camera is really good, and they do this weird gradient, which is great for, like, single shots or, like, pictures. Right. But when you're watching it for... 60 minutes straight it gets kind of tiring and then that plus just the constant in and out of focusness it gets that's annoying and i assume yeah. it's also intrusive but you got mean by intrusive like kind of hurts your eyes a little bit um more just i wish that we, we i get the point like yeah. the story can move on from there yeah you got uh, a lot of stuff from the first episode right sam is basically this 
uh, morally kind of corrupt character. He uh, has forty thousand dollars that's gone missing, and he wanted and he called his wife because he was going to use that money to kind of bribe people and start his own business. Wait, I thought the whole point of his character was that he was grieving his son. And he does. He grieves his son uh, in the next scene in the forest. He's listening to music and he's sad. And as this is going on, he sees Epona about to hang herself with the assistance of this other kid. And he's able to stop her, but then he doesn't know where the other kid went. And Epona basically says, hey, you know, I was alone. What yeah, are you talking so about? Yeah, so with the other kid, it may be the one that's been, like, haunting his dreams. It because is. the beginning of the second episode, we get this weird dream sequence that kicks us off. He sees dead animals in the woods. He sees this uh, cornfield, or he's chasing the kid through the cornfield maze, and he's, like, being mystified by this burning trailer, and then his face even starts burning at one point. He keeps on going back to this nightmare throughout the episode, but when he wakes up, he's in uh, basically a hotel bed and breakfast that's owned by these two really overly cheery people. I think it's called the Oyster, Mm -hmm. and he wakes up with Jess, who's also married, um, yeah, she and, was introduced in the first episode. Yeah. yeah, Jess is an interesting character, but she starts off being extremely upset. She's like, did we sleep together? Like, what's going on? Uh, which is weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, were they drunk or something? Do they not remember? Uh, well, they actually did drink in the uh, first episode. Okay, yeah, but so they wake up together, and then by breakfast, she's like completely over all her anger. Yeah. She was really angry, and then <laughs> by breakfast, she's over it. And she's like, I'm really happy we did this or something to the equivalent of that. And I'm like, you don't even remember it. How, yeah. how can you be happy about it if you don't even remember it? Later on, he's like, uh, he mentioning the affair. He's like, it's the first time I can breathe. And I'm like, again, you guys <laughs> didn't even seem to remember it at the time. And her reasoning for being so upset was apparently because her husband... Uh, has rights to her kid, and she was afraid that it would get back to her. It felt a little convoluted. Yeah, and I was going to ask, is this plot, like, kind of all It's not the, the plot. I think it's just the character. Because I started to get more and more suspicious of her as the whole thing went down. Like, he decides that he wants to leave because they're having this ritual where it seems like he's getting chased, and then they try to make it seem like it's by a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. but he's kind of suspicious that it's not. Because they're wearing, like, potato sacks and they're throwing stuff at him. Yeah. But Jess's character is the one that sort of convinces him to stay. And she's kind of the magnet to him. She she kind of pulls out all this information about his kid when he grieves in front of her and stuff. And it feels like she might be a mole. Right. Like, I think that she's working... Well, this is obviously just a suspicion. But it feels like she may end up actually working for that town and she's trying to get him to just like be one of the newcomers right and very well could be this show definitely thrives on kind of its mystery and dramatics um because in the first episode apparently everything we had seen including uh jude law kind of following this kid that he keeps on envisioning which at first like i was like oh is that his kid because his kid was murdered and i was like okay he's following walt no his name is nathan Yeah, yeah, but he like basically uh, that was supposed to kind of be almost a dream, or we weren't sure if everything we saw in the first episode was supposed to happen because at the very end he wakes up and he's like, oh, you know, like I'm. Cause... So at the end of the first episode was part of that nightmare that I was describing from the yeah like second the, episode. Yeah, like the kid was this villainous like person that he saw in his nightmare, and he comes out with scissors, and then Jude Law wakes up and then checks the back of his car and sees the $40,000 What's up with the fire in the trailer? Do we know anything about that? 
Uh, well, th- apparently there was supposed to be this festival that Epona was talking about. And yeah, the festival comes along later. The festival is where she tries to slip him LSD and uh, or ecstasy. I forget which one it was. Um, but the show was already super wonky. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Please don't do this. Well, and that- then he ends up taking it. And I'm like, oh, no. Now that gives them the excuse, the director, the excuse <laughs> to make this show even crazier. And- yeah. And I wanted to ask, is this a show that like kind of packs allegory and subtext into the show? Yeah. Like I read a review to Annihilation because I th- thought I remembered it um, from its Wikipedia page and it says tackle such weighty and sensitive issues as depression, grief, and human propensity for self-destruction. And I know that can um, be describing like anything but when you talk about Alex Garland type of work with like devs and with Annihilation it felt like the tone was very similar in how they tried to approach it with weirdness. Right. Like they tried to show the audience kind of in a boring fashion just so many long overemphasized shots of people just walking through forests and that that was without annihilation also with this show yeah and devs did it too so yeah Yeah, and this has also been a show that's been compared to midsummer the ari aster film that would make sense i haven't seen that one but i know exactly what you're talking about the wicker man i think both because one was based off the other uh was this show trying to be epic because it did feel like not epic it definitely was like going for the down like um what's it downplaying itself like leftovers almost okay and (laughs) there's this line where jude law's on the beach and he's talking to jess about um his kid's death and how he's trying to let go of it uh every single year like you were talking about and he says it's not like in films and movies and tv shows this is my personal opinion should really not want to do that like they should not talk about themselves in the third like that they're not what they are because like you're acting and it's not going to make you seem like you're not it's going to make me laugh at you i remember a specific scene in kick-ass 2 that takes place at the end where he's like this isn't a movie man and it's like i get it you're trying to be on the nose but it's kind of well, i mean kick-ass is a comedy but like imagine if in manchester by the sea when he's like admitting to causing the fire like he does in the cop yeah. in the um police precincts or whatever room, yeah yeah and if he was like it didn't burn down like in the movies like it's just it would take away all the seriousness from the scene well i think the reason why there's so many like monologues in the show is because this is made by theatrical innovators uh punch drunk that's a 20 year old british theater company founded by felix barrett who has created the show and uh he wanted to translate the theater into television and this is the first show that punch drunk has kind of worked on so that's the reason why they i think are making it so uh verbose i guess well, theater doesn't have you staring at someone's face for as long as that is, and they don't pan into blurriness of the face, like, so often. I'm just trying to think of how, like, the scenes really describe a theatrical... Like, I could not see this be put on a, to a stage. Yeah, I mean, that's what they were trying to do, so the, I guess... The, the one thing that they did that was probably more theater-centric is that, like, the scenes would be herky-jerky. Like, one second he would be talking about going to visit this archaeologist who ends up being a coroner who he says was actually investigating his son's death. That's not a coroner's job, first of all. But but secondly, the way that they shot it was he talked about it. Suddenly he was in the middle of this forest in this hut and the guy is on the ground. And two seconds in, like, these other people come bursting in, the people who start, like, chasing him, the ones in the potato sack masks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so from then he goes back to the hotel and he's all freaked out. And there's this scene that reminds me of like Borat, where he's <laughs> yelling through the door at the people who own the um, mom and pop breakfast, yeah. the overly cheery people. 
and they're telling him like opponent's fine there's nothing wrong no one tries to, no one's trying to kill you and he's like yelling at them through the door with a crowbar or something and jess is there with him and he's looking at the door like uh sasha barrett cohen looks at the door when the jews are on the other side yeah. he's trying to he's like oh no <laughs> so it does make him seem crazy and he does say later on that he suffers from some sort of psychotic break thing so uh, yeah because of his son right yeah, and just because he's paranoid about how his son was actually murdered. But it does give you the liberty as a filmmaker to then say, okay, we're already in a crazy environment. He's already on drugs. Add into the fact that he might be schizophrenic on top of that. And suddenly you're just like, well, I can do whatever I want. I can yeah. make a cartoon scene if I wanted to. Uh, it, but it just reminded me of Shutter Island and the fact that you couldn't know if you could trust the main character as much as you could trust the environment yeah. that he was in. And that's been something about the show that like you know, people have pointed out. Like They don't know if this is a unreliable narrator or not. Uh, I do have to give the show credit because they're trying to do something different. Um, apparently, there's going to be a special entitled Autumn, and then two days after, the winter, winter section of the uh, story is going to take place. But in the UK, there's going to be a special called Autumn, and it's set to be a live episode. Uh, the directors are hoping to make the story feel very real and one continuous take and hopes um, to basically blur the lines between real and not real. Is the only thing that's supposed to be stable throughout all the episodes the town itself? Yeah. Like fact, it all stays in ch- the place that Cherry Town. Right. Made. Yeah. And like Autumn is supposed OSHA. to. Yeah. OSHA. They wanted to make it like a character, a mysterious character who doesn't speak. That's what the writer said um, for OSHA. But, well, Osha is the town. Yeah, but they want to make it like a mysterious character. Oh, you like, yeah, give it personality. Right, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. And Autumn is going to kind of talk about the festival and show people in the festival. And there's supposed to be a lot of people pre-COVID, but now the episode is just uh, going to kind of be a physical visit of the island. Okay. Well, the main question that we were left off in this episode was what happens to Sam? Because what happens at the end of the episode is he agrees to come back because he wants to hang out with Jess some more. They go on drugs. Suddenly, the hotel managers come up to him and say, no, you are in danger because you uh, opponent came up and kissed you just like 20 minutes ago. They're coming after you. And so then the hotel wife lady, uh, you said she was played by someone famous. I forgot who it was. Um, uh, yeah, that, that Emily was Watson or something? Yeah, or? Emily Watson. Okay, yeah. So she's dragging him through this thing and she's like, we can't get separated or else you're like screwed. And then she f- takes him to the middle of the forest and is like, okay, I, I'll be back in like five minutes. I have to make sure that we're not followed. And I was like, you literally just said that they can't <laughs> be separated. And he's like, don't go, don't go. And then suddenly the evil people show up and knock him out. And we're left wondering whether or not he's going to escape. Well, I, I want. So there is a mystery. Sorry, but there is a mystery going on. So it seems odd to me that they're going to resolve it by the next episode. Like, yeah, and these could, are but... these are like an hour long episode each, right? Yeah, but like, what's going on? Like, if it's only a three parter, and then we're going to have another three parter. Like, is there going to be an overall mystery about the town, or is it going to be like? Uh, I think so because is he going to find out what happened to his son. I, well, I'm not sure, but I believe that Naomi Harris's storyline is going to kind of deal with. Um, they go to the OSHA, which is a real place um, for answers, but oh, no. really... This is a real place? Yeah, it's a real place. And in fact, the creators wanted to shoot this originally in England, but they couldn't find a place that was claustrophobic enough. So then when uh, 
Felix texted Dennis Kelly to come to OSHA because he was there on kind of a trip. Uh, they found that this was a really good place to shoot because it was uninhabited. Okay, so there isn't a community of, like, Christians who are just waiting there and doing yeah, weird th- stuff. Yeah, this doesn't have, like, anyone there. In fact, they put into the story that OSHA was a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center, which is accurate to what it actually was. Okay, because he also said, Sam's character, that his dad had a military or no his grandpa had been based there in a military base like Mm -hmm. for the war so i was wondering if that part was true maybe i'm not entirely sure but i know that this show likes to kind of use triscolay symbols to kind of signify its past present and future um what are triscolay symbols those are uh symbols that kind of come in threes and they are used mostly in religion so this i feel like it's a show that kind of has hidden easter eggs throughout that reminds me you were talking about the festival earlier and it kind of gave me an outsider's vibe if you ever saw that tv show um, because the party that they threw was kind of crazy. Like, there was giant puppets being, like, masqueraded around. There were there was, like, a piccolo in the background, and you saw fireworks. But, like, people were all doing these crazy... It was, like, a satanic Mardi Gras. Was it, like, big budget? No, it was, like, there was a bunch of just rowdy uh, hillbillies all kind of, like, running around together and doing some crazy stuff, making out in the background. Yeah. And that's when they decided to go on drugs. And I'm like, why? <laughs> um it, then also with Jess's character, I didn't point this out. Another reason why I was suspicious of her is that after she has sex with him, um, throughout the episode, she keeps on referring to herself as a whore and a slut, which is very odd given just her person, like the personality of just a normal person would not be just continually demeaning themselves. Yeah. But this is a very Christian community. So it makes it seem like maybe she has a connection with faith that she would just call herself that yeah that that definitely could be a possibility um because no one else is calling her that she's just doing it herself as if it was like some sort of penance for as if like i don't know she thought that god was going to punish her somehow maybe um but jula has been praised in his role like basically almost universally and i wanted to ask did was Juba like need to be in this role? Like, did he bring something to it? Because I know with stuff like Chris Evans and Saving Jacob, like you said that he was a likable hero, and like J.K. Simmons was almost made for counterpart. But like, was Jude Law kind of within those bounds? No, there's like nothing really specific to this character that he's doing. Again, there's a lot of shots that are lingering on him, so maybe that kind of gives you a false sense of like, oh, this is a real performance. Um, I'm not trying to discredit him at all, but again, that beach scene where he's going off about his son just didn't come. A- that genuine uh and i i mean the weird nightmare sequence so seeing him like do that and then freak out throughout the episode about the town it's just a lot of emotions you're supposed to feel at once uh and so i I mean in a weird way it was like hot fuzz remember that (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. because the like you're supposed to believe the community is evil in a way you did see a scene where um you have a preacher kind of doing the slaying whatever it's called like where they put their hand on someone and then they go into convulsions because of a religious thing yeah right yeah he just walks into a tent and they're in the middle of that so uh, you are supposed to get the sense that this is a very eerie place and that these people aren't to be trusted but that's what gave me like a glimmer of hope that maybe he would escape and then we would get some sort of explanation because that's one of the things i didn't like in uh annihilation at least was it felt way too meta but way too out of bounds like you never really got a concrete explanation and when you have a smart show one that is cerebral like this you can have 
serious plot points that actually come to a conclusion. So right, if yeah. they leave you on something vague, then I'm, I'm probably going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah, and I know that like a lot of shows just kind of have a ton of confusion, and then when people question it, the people who made it are usually like, oh, it's all up for interpretation, and it almost feels like a little bit of a cop-out. Um, but Jude Law has actually really been attached to this script, mm-hmm. um, because the two creators came to him five years ago without his character kind of fleshed out, without really any story, and they were like, we want to make a show that's really going to analyze the characters, analyze this atmosphere, and Jude Law really loved that idea. So um, when they started to make the show, Jude Law became really attached to the project, and I think Naomi Harris probably uh, was on board after that when she saw that Jude Law was in the show. So I think that's how they got the two characters um, on there. Atmospheric is a good way of putting it, because you do get uh, just crazy outlays of forest. It looked like he was an ant in... Or, like, that he'd been shrunk down. Like, in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. Because the leaves are so ginormous, and he just looks like he could hide in them. Kind of like a, in Lost in Hawaii or some somewhere <laughs> like that. The other show that it reminded me of was The Path, that Hulu show. Because that was all about a religious cult type thing. And it was almost like from the other perspective, where you got the cult leaders. Like, what was going on behind the scenes with them. Yeah, right. And this show, you got kind of the reverse, where you got just this individual who's kind of stuck in it. And isn't doesn't want to be. Um, yeah, I don't know where it's going. I just know that he, at this point, is probably not going to die right off the bat in the second, in the third episode. Yeah, and the show has gotten, like, mediocre reviews. It has a 6.9 on IMDb with, I believe, 938 reviews. It has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. Some of the prones that they say are that it has a good atmosphere, it has an intriguing kind of plot, and the acting is good, but that it also feels familiar. And that's a little strange because I feel like for something that the third day is, just from what I've seen of it, I feel like the one thing it wants to be is unpredictable. I mean, I guess what they're trying to say behind that is if you peel back the layers of everything and you just kind of discard all the nonsense, you're really just dealing with a dude who is trapped on an island and not sure about anything going on, whether or not that these people are evil or whether they're good. And you have seen sort of that in a lot of like hero type things where it's like you're supposed to be that character and you're supposed to see what they see and you're not exactly sure whether or not to just trust what's around you and a lot of shows kind of run into the trap that the third day did because a lot of reviewers also say that it's very absurd kind of suspension of disbelief is kind of hard to have yeah that's that's true because like again the name of the yeah, they're really trying to draw on religion into this even in the names of the episodes like i said the father the son the ghost right yeah. like and, it, and that goes with the three thing i was talking about earlier the trickle a system almost. yeah and it's not the first show to really kind of put religious fanatics onto the hot seat and say well if these people grew a community what could they do like what evil could they get away with if they suddenly get rid of sam like they got rid of his son if they are the ones responsible for that and then if naomi harris comes along and she's investigating what if she's like the wife character that'd be funny and that's 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 actually a thought i have but yeah you you think um and then she disappears and it just is like an on-running thing or they become part of the community i don't know well i know that the show is supposed to kind of have like an ever-looming uh sense of doom to it like that's yeah. something that the show uh, like the way that he was chased in the woods he was saved by opponent's dad who was holding a gun and spouting off about how his uh kid was dead and uh, sam's character immediately thought that he was talking about opponent so that was what freaked him out mm-hmm. but it was really some other kid that he'd had so this community is just 
again, you said the Nicolas Cage movie, right? Uh, the Wicker Man, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like that, where the you find out more and more and more, and you, you peel back those layers, and you, you really don't like what you see. And it I reminds think... me of that real-life community in Arizona, the one that, like, the... I, I'm not trying to go after Mormons here, but, like, the, there's that place that, like, people do not want to even drive through, because oh, right, they're, like, yeah. one of the only places that practice polygamy, but they're very, very religious there, mm-hmm. too, and so you just want to be very careful when you're around there. And I know that the show uh, kind of dies into these heavy topics, which is why I think Lucy Mangan of um, The Guardian gave the show three out of five and said it's not a show that you want to binge watch. You kind of need the week in between to kind of like analyze everything. <laughs> so like Dark, because I, I when I watched Dark, I needed time to really process what I just watched. And even though there's not as much content spliced in here, you definitely, even in the first 10 minutes, if I'd paused it and then come back after like an hour, because in that first sequence of nightmares, it's just going after your brain with like okay now he's in a forest now he's uh in the middle like he was screaming in this patch of and i didn't know they were dead animals at first at first i thought it was like his own guts that was he oh, was like yeah, holding in his grotesque. hands yeah and like that hulu show castle rock which i think is a stephen king based uh, show yeah they do similar sequences where the main character will get like drugged or something and then go into like this hallucinatory state and you can tell that jude law spent a lot of time like doing these scenes by himself or with that just one kid standing there in the yeah. background. Uh, so that must have been a lot of work to shoot. Um, you said it had a 6.9 on IMDb? Yeah, and but the first episode had a 7.5 and the next one had a 7.6 based off of like 300 reviews. Okay, is there any other like reviews that you were able to read? Yeah, IGN stated that the real pull of the show is waiting for the inevitable other shoe to drop. Um, I might say the story, but NPR said the show has confusion where it should have nuance. So, you know, very, like, mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. I, I want some review to come out there and be like, I understood it 100%. <laughs> it's so clear. Everyone is an idiot. This is how it goes. And then breaks it down, and we're just like, oh, I mean, yeah. There you go. It's 100% <laughs> on our Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, so I, if you like that type of deal where you go in there and you know that there's a good chance that the show is just going to confuse the hell out of you, but at the end of the day, you are entertained because of how vast it is and how, like odd it is then then give this a try there's there is an audience for that type of thing yeah, i mean like it because the, it presents you almost the option of like are you smart enough to figure this out are you smart enough to realize what no one else has before right. you and so that's intriguing in its own way however if you've watched one episode of it it's pretty clear that um you'll you'll find out whether or not you're de- that type <laughs> of person um so yeah give it a shot if you haven't seen it already and that's been our review Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.